Welcome to Tigers in Translation, the podcast that tells Princeton students' stories in their own voices. We hope to build community around language at Princeton and spark conversations about our experiences. I'm Tanvi Nabonapati, and today we will hear from Ellie Gantman. I was born a long ways away from Princeton, on the other side of the world, in a rural rice town in China. By the time I was a few weeks old, the course of my life would forever change when I was orphaned and left to the care of an orphanage called the Yi Yang Child Welfare Institute. During my time there, I was raised and cared for by Chinese nannies whose names and faces I do not know and cannot remember. Maybe I babbled in Chinese for the first time there. Who knows, right? However, by my first birthday, everything had changed all over again. Just a week before turning one, I was adopted by a white Jewish Argentinian mom and a white Jewish American dad. Not long after, I was a Chinese toddler living in the United States with white parents who spoke Spanish at home. Growing up, this irreconcilable dissonance left me confused and frustrated. After taking Chinese classes for a few years when I was four and five, I gave it up. My Chinese heritage was the only thing tying me to the language, and in the end, that tether withered away. It felt unnatural, awkward, and I did not enjoy the classes. Instead, my parents polished my English-Spanish bilingualism. My mom had a Spanish-only rule at home, and my parents sent me to a special Saturday school for Spanish speakers. However, my relationship to Spanish was still complicated. I hated being different and speaking Spanish made me different in American school, and being Chinese made me different at Spanish school. To complicate my own perception of myself further, for as long as I can remember, I have hated my Chinese orphanage name, Ihui, which my parents kept as my middle name. When I was little, I hated it because it was weird and made me different from the other kids at school, whose middle names were Rose and Claire and Elizabeth. As I grew older, I continued to dislike it, but this time it was the pain of knowing I wasn't even pronouncing it correctly. I'd anglicized my own name, and with it, my own identity. And yet, throughout middle school, that anglicization became a facade that allowed me to disassociate with the complexities of my past. How could I become a middle-class white American kid, the same as all my friends were? That was the challenge I'd set for myself. I had renounced my Chinese heritage, abandoning the language while biting my tongue and laughing with my friends as they mocked Asian accents, and in turn, unknowingly, mocked me. I renounced my Latinx heritage, slowly using less and less Spanish at home, and in eighth grade, I quit Saturday school. Instead, I found comfort in basic whiteness, hiding behind sunglasses that covered my Asian eyes and through speaking in only English with a pumpkin spice latte in my hand. But inside, there was no denying my stark differences from the people who I surrounded myself with. Going into college, I did not anticipate taking a language. I had tested out of Princeton's language requirement, having scored well on AP Spanish tests in high school. However, my mom, being a Spanish professor at a college in my hometown, encouraged me to consider taking Spanish anyway. And being stubborn and ashamed of how much my Spanish had decayed over my teen years, I said no. I'd left Chinese behind years ago, and it was time to let go of Spanish education as well. For my mom, this was disappointing. She was born and raised in Argentina, and she always said to me, Ella, de dinero no te dejaré mucho, pero siempre tendrás el español. In other words, my inheritance from my mother would not come in the form of money. It would be the language she spent 18 tireless years ensuring I knew. A language that would connect me to the over 437 million people around the world and to my family back home in Argentina. 
In the end, I made a decision that surprised my mom and surprised me even more. I made the choice to study Spanish at Princeton. It might not sound like much, but for the first time in my life, learning Spanish was my choice. Rather than being something I resented, I embraced the discomfort of not having the perfect Argentine accent I once did and found acceptance and encouragement in every Spanish class I have ever taken since my freshman fall. There, I have met kids like me, children of immigrants whose Spanish is less than perfect, students of every race whose connection with their Latinidad is just as complex as mine. I've taken Spanish every semester at Princeton and am pursuing a certificate. It is so much more than a foreign language requirement. It is the language my grandparents fought Argentine military dictatorship in. It is the language my mom has loved me in my entire life. And no matter how far I tried to run from it as a kid, it has stuck with me like my shadow. I am proud of my Spanish, my imperfect grammar, and the way I stutter on words I cannot pronounce. And although I can't speak Chinese, I've learned to be proud to be Chinese too. Although Spanish has allowed me to connect further with my Latina background, I've come to realize that I do not need to speak Chinese to feel comfortable in that identity. My Chinese heritage does not manifest itself in the tongues I speak, but I wear it on my sleeve anyway, the shape of my eyes and the color of my hair. I am who I am because of the pieces of my identity I have, but I am also who I am because of the pieces of my identity that I have lost along the way. I have chosen Spanish and I have lost Chinese, but in the process, I have found myself. I am a contradiction, an oxymoron, and the incongruencies of my life are complicated and confusing. But that's what makes them me. sharing your story with me I really loved learning about all of your the different parts of your identity and thank you so much for sharing it with the Princeton community so I was wondering how has coming to Princeton changed your relationship with language for sure so I touch a little bit on it in the piece and I talk about how how coming to Princeton has actually allowed me to choose Spanish and for the first time in my life I've had that active and uh that active ownership over Spanish which has made it feel more like my language now and not necessarily just the language I speak because my mom did, which has been an amazing experience for me. At the same time, coming to Princeton and studying Spanish within the realms of a classroom has definitely oriented me towards academic Spanish. Um, I, the amount that I speak Spanish and interact in Spanish and engage with the language is almost entirely within the confines of a classroom. Rather than at home, it was with my friends who spoke Spanish and were from Argentina or with my mom who I spoke casually or informally with. And so I think that it has also changed my relationship with Spanish and how I use it um, from a casual and informal sense to a very formal and academic sense. Um, so yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, so you've talked a little bit about how your relationship with Spanish has already changed, but how do you foresee your relationship with Spanish or any other languages that you discussed changing in the future? For sure. So I think that, again, like I mentioned, part of my reason for taking Spanish was my cultural background with it. However, at the same time, as someone that is considering majoring in international relations or in um, the public policy school, I think that being bilingual is a huge asset in the future. And I think that my relationship to Spanish will honestly change depending on how I decide to use it in the future. So I think that 
through the international relations piece, if I end up pursuing international relations with Latin America, Spanish could very much become something I use in my everyday life in, in a work culture. Um, and that could really change my relationship with the language because it would become something super practical and daily. And then I think if that doesn't happen, I would have to keep my Spanish alive. And I think that would normally come through after college and after I leave this academic space that I've created for myself in Spanish would have to come in an informal or a more informal like way than I have currently been using Spanish. And so that could be with friends or going to, you know, Latino neighborhoods going and trying to interact as much as I can with other people in Spanish. So I think that in the future, it'll really depend on how I choose to use it in the realms and the spaces I choose to use it in. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that the lessons I've learned from my mom and the importance that Spanish has had to my mom will always make it something that follows me throughout the rest of my life. And like I touched on it in the piece, I don't think I can get away from it, um, even if I tried. And at this point, I'm not trying anymore. And I think that's that's something really important to me now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So just to end on, do you have any advice for other Princeton students who face similar relationships with language to you who don't necessarily conform to the linguistic expectations that have been imposed on them? Sure, I think the one kind of conclusion or lesson that I've learned from even write, just writing this piece and, and throughout my experiences is that you don't necessarily have to reconcile with those differences or those, um, those incongruencies in your own identity. My whole life, I thought I had to explain myself to other people and explain why this language, why I didn't speak Chinese. You know, I don't speak Chinese because I'm adopted or why I did speak Spanish. And I had to explain every incongruency in my life to other people and make sense of it even to myself. And I think the one big lesson I've learned is that I don't have to grapple with this in a way that will use my energy or that will use the, the labor, the emotional labor trying to make sense of something that naturally does not make sense and that's okay and I can live my life with incongruent and contradictory things existing and existing together and I don't necessarily have to line them all up they exist within me and that's okay and that's enough um, and I think that's something that I've learned and I think that other people whose you know linguistic expectations that have been imposed on them don't necessarily kind of align with who they are um, you can just be you and you don't have to align to anyone else's expectations. You don't have to grapple with that any more than you want to. Yeah, that sounds great. And thank you so much for sharing with the Princeton community. Uh, we really appreciate it. Tigers in Translation is supported by the Rapid Response Magic Project of the Princeton University Humanities Council. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you have a story you want to share? You can reach our team at tigersintranslation at gmail.com. Our production team includes Amanda Bond, Tyler Bennett, Londi Hernandez, Mariam Camel, Annika Mascara, and Tanvi Nabonpati. Our faculty advisor is Dr. Sean Gonzalez. Thanks for listening. <laughs>